Genesis chapter number 18. And uh, we're going to do part 8 tonight of our series on the life of Abraham. For seven weeks now, we've studied the life of Abraham, and more specifically, faith in the life of Abraham. The Bible teaches us that Abraham was a man of faith, and you'll find with Bible characters that many times there is a theme uh, that is uh, emphatic in their life. In the life of Isaac, it was the promise of God. He was the child of promise. In the life of uh, Jacob, it was the battle between the flesh and the spirit, the humanity, but the divine nature that God imparts to those that have believed on Him. You see a struggle, a back and forth, uh, and God's persistence in the life of Jacob as He, if I could say it this way, broke Jacob to His will. In the life of Joseph, we see the providence and the preservation of God. And uh, more of the book of Genesis is devoted to the life of Joseph than any other single character. But we see God's hand all through the life of Joseph. And as you go through various Bible characters, you'll find that typically there is a theme that follows their life, something that God is teaching us in the lessons that we gather from them. In the life of Abraham, it is the theme of faith. Faith as we walk with God, and faith as we work for God, and faith as we suffer in the service of God. Faith in the life of Abraham is key. And if you try to uh, disassociate faith with the life from Abraham, uh, you're not going to understand that portion of Scripture in any way. Uh, we know that God called Abraham out of his homeland and out of his country to begin a journey to a place that he did not know of, following a God that he was not aware of God's identity at that point, for a purpose that he could not understand, for amount of time that he did not know. But he followed God and believed Him, and we find that he's the better for it, that righteousness was imputed upon his account because he believed the Lord, and that he had a relationship with God. And so for the past seven weeks, we've studied these thoughts of faith. Tonight, as we come to Genesis chapter 18, I'll confess to you, this is one of my favorite portions of Scripture. And if I wasn't preaching on faith in the life of Abraham, but I was preaching from this passage, I would probably title it, When God Came By to Visit His Friend. I just want to say I'm thankful that the Lord visits with His people, aren't you? I know that He's in us, and I know He's with us at all times, and I know that everywhere we go, He never leaves us nor forsakes us, and I'm aware of that. But, you know, there's just something special when the Lord not only shows up, but He shows out and does something in the lives of His people. I believe we need that, friend, don't you? I believe we need more of God in our lives, and I believe God needs more of our lives to be given to Him. But tonight, I don't want to focus necessarily on that thought but rather on this, the notion of faith devoted. In fact, we find in this passage, probably more than any other passage here uh, as of yet, that Abraham is acting like a saved man. Abraham is serving God. We find in this passage that uh, because of his service to the Lord, he's given some things that other people are not given. And let me just tell you tonight that it pays to serve God and that if you serve God, you have a relationship with Him that people that don't serve God don't have. Now, that doesn't mean that you're any more saved than they are, but it does mean that your fellowship with Him will be sweeter. 
It does mean that your walk with Him will be stronger. It does mean your reward with Him will be greater. People that serve God have things that people that don't serve God don't have. And so tonight I want us to look at three thoughts, and I'm going to try to be very quick because I know there's food and I don't want to riot. Amen? Let's begin in verse number 1. The Bible says, And the Lord appeared unto him, and the him is Abraham, in the plains of Mamre, as he sat, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. And he lift up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. When he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself to the, toward the ground. And said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched, and wash your feet. Rest yourselves under the tree. I will fetch a morsel of bread, and comfort ye your hearts. After that ye shall pass on. For therefore are ye come to your servant. And they said, So do as thou hast said. And Abraham hastened into the tent unto Sarah, and said, Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes upon the hearth. And Abraham ran unto the herd, and fetched a calf, tender and good, and gave it unto a young man, and he hasted to dress it. And he took butter and milk in the calf which he had dressed, and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree, and they did eat. That's important. I want you to make a note of that. And he stood by them under the tree, and they did eat. And they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age. And it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah denied, saying, I laugh not, for she was afraid. And he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. And the men rose up from thence and looked towards Sodom. Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. And the Lord said, now we'll finish this verse for the sake of continuity, but uh, what we're going to be using is the emphasis of that phrase, and the Lord said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it which has come unto me, and if not, I will know. The men turned their faces from thence and went towards Sodom. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, please bless this message tonight. Bless Your Word. Lord, I pray that hearts would be spoken to and that You would gain glory out of everything that takes place. God, I readily confess both before Your throne and before these people that I'm incapable, unable. 
Father, if there's no unction, if there's no power, if the Holy Spirit of God does not have control over me in these next moments, I know that nothing that's said or done will come to anything or amount to anything. But God, I trust that if I'll submit myself to You, You can do a mighty work in the hearts of Your people. Father, I love You because You first loved me. Lord, I did not deserve You to love me, but You loved me anyhow, and I want to thank You for it. God, help me to love You more and teach me to love You more. Help me, Father, to love Your people more, to be the pastor for them that they so desperately need, Lord. Help me to be the servant to You that You need. God, just help me in all things that I do to be found in Your will and for Walridge to be found in Your will in all that they do. Bless this service again tonight, Lord. We ask it in Christ's precious name. Amen. I'm fascinated by this passage for a lot of reasons. But tonight I want to focus particularly on faith in Abraham's life and how that his faith drove him to the actions and to the things that he did. It's a pretty familiar story to most of us, but we can imagine, if we will, that Abraham is seated in his tent door in the heat of the day, too hot to work. You ever had one of them days where it was too hot to do anything but complain? Amen? That was one of those days for Abraham. It was a time when it was unlikely for Abraham to do anything. It was a time when it was uncomfortable for Abraham to do anything. It was a time when it was inconvenient for Abraham to do anything. And so he's seated in his tent door in the heat of the day. And he looks out and he sees three men that are coming towards him. I don't know at what moment it was that Abraham knew who those men were. I tend to believe he knew it from the moment he saw them, but we could argue about that if you wish to. But Abraham jumps up from his chair and runs out to meet these men. And when he gets there, he falls on his face before them to the ground, and he begs them to stop by his tent door and to stay for a little while. Now, we know as we read this passage that two of these men were most likely angels, but one of them was God Himself. In fact, I believe that it was what we might call a theophany, a Christophany, a pre-Bethlehem incarnation of our Lord. I believe it was Jesus Christ Himself that stopped by Abraham's tent door that day. The Lord came by to visit His friend. Uh, But as I read this passage, the thing that I'm struck by, first off, is Abraham's service. And if you want to write these things down, by the way, let me read one more verse to you before we move on, because it's going to be very pertinent. You don't have to turn there. But in Hebrews 11.6, the Bible says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. We find that service was a natural thing for Abraham in his life. And if you're writing these things down, you could write down first off that I want to look at faith serving. You see, the fact that Abraham was serving God and had a desire to serve God was indicative of the fact that he was a man of faith. The Bible tells us that faith without works is dead. Hey, you say, preacher, are you telling me I have to earn my salvation? No, I'm telling you your salvation is paid for. Are you telling me, preacher, uh, that if I don't serve God, I'm not a Christian? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm telling you the Bible tells us that faith without works is dead. You can say that you believe God, but if it's not evidenced in your life, it doesn't mean a thing. And we find that in Abraham's life, his belief and his faith in God motivated him to a particular life. I want us to note, first off, the passion of Abraham's service. And can I tell you that if you really love God and if you really believe His Word, you're going to serve Him? Some I I, I don't know, maybe, maybe y'all was asleep, I don't know. Let me say that again. If you really love God and if you really believe His Word, you're going to serve Him. 
Amen? I believe that's true. I hope you do too. If you don't, there may be a reason you don't. Amen? I don't know. But I believe if you really believe God's Word, it's going to cause you to serve Him. Because you see, but without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is what's a key element of faith and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. You see, if you really are a person of faith and if you really believe God's Word, it's going to motivate you to serve Him because you believe He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Anybody that says they love God and won't serve Him is a liar. Amen? I know that's a little harsh, but that's all right, isn't it? What did He say? He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Neighbor, you can say you love God all day long. But if you don't evidence it by obedience to Him and service to Him, you don't really love God. You might love yourself. You might love your family. You might love the idea of loving God. But Christ said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And the Bible says, hereby do we do know that we have the love of God because we keep His commandments and His commandments are not grievous to us. The truth is, if a man does not serve God, it's because he doesn't love God like he ought to. If a man doesn't serve God, it's because he doesn't believe the Bible is as true as he says he believes it is. But we look in Abraham's life and we find that his faith motivated him to serve God. This was not something we don't suppose that Abraham had to do. It's not a conditional element of a covenant relationship. But it's something that Abraham chose to do in response to the presence of God. And notice first off his passion in serving God. Whenever he saw the Lord coming, he jumped up from his chair and he took off running. Let me tell you most Christians what they would have done today. Boy, it's going to be one of them sermons. Amen. Most Christians would have jumped up from their chair, ran into the house and cut all the lights off and hid under the bed. Most Christians today do everything they can to get out of having to serve God. Are you hearing me now? Can I preach to you tonight? Most Christians do everything they can to try to find an excuse to not serve God. But a man of faith is going to run towards an opportunity to serve God. People say, well, that's not my job. Well, make it your job. People say, well, somebody else will do that. Yeah, you. <laughs> Amen, you. The truth of the matter is we all have an obligation and responsibility to serve God. We ought not look to others to do our portion of service, but we ought to get up from that tent door, run towards an opportunity of service. You say, oh, but preacher, sometimes it's uncomfortable. Yeah, it was probably uncomfortable to get out of that cool tent door, out into the heat. But Abraham had enough faith in God that he knew it was worth it. You say, preacher, it's inconvenient sometimes. You know, I just don't have time to serve God. I'd love to serve God, preacher. I'd love to serve God. But I just don't, between, between work, between my family, between this, between that, you know, I just don't have time to serve God. Yeah, why don't you cut out some of that TV watching? Cut out some of that Facebook time. I'm not preaching against the TV. I'm not preaching against the internet. I'm not preaching against Facebook. I I'm preaching against mixed up priorities. That's what I'm preaching against. Why don't you give up some of that other time? And why don't you make time to serve God? If you really love Him and believe He's your priority, that's exactly what you're going to do. So it's inconvenient. Sure it is. Sure it is. But that doesn't mean that it's wrong to do it. I'm sure it was inconvenient for Abraham to have to get himself up out of his seat and run out to meet them. But he did it. You might say, well, you know, I just don't have money. I don't have energy. I don't have time. Quit making excuses. And let's just get down to the real honesty of the matter. The reason people don't serve God, the vast majority of them, is because they just choose not to.
Isn't that true? Do we live in a free country still? Are are we all, you know, free in 21 (laughs) for political correctness? (laughs) Yeah, sure we are. We make our choices in life. Every one of us do. The reason Abraham was passionate about serving God, the reason he didn't look to his servant and say, you run out and meet him, is because he believed that that was God walking towards him. He believed that that was God's will for his life. He knew who that was coming towards him. And when you get to the point where serving God is about doing something for the Lord, not doing something for your friends or your family or your church family, when you get to the point that you realize that your relationship with God is about you and God, it's not about you and anyone else, when it, when it comes to a point where you look and all you see is Him, you'll run towards Him too. He was passionate. He ran towards Him just as, as quick as He could. He did everything He could to get close to the Lord. He tried to seek an opportunity. Now we live in a day where you have to beg people to serve God. Now we live in a day where you have to plead with people. Now you live in a day where you have to bribe people to serve God. We live in a day now where whenever you encourage people to serve God, they say, why should I? Abraham didn't say, why should I? Abraham jumped up and ran at the opportunity. Let me tell you something. I don't know if you realize this, but it's a privilege to serve God. You know that? It's a privilege. I, I, I don't, and I'm not trying to feign to be more spiritual than anybody in this room, so please don't misunderstand me with that. But when I look at my life, and when I look at the incapabilities of this preacher standing before you, and when I look at the inabilities, and when I look at a lot of other people that God could be using, I sit there and think to myself, oh my, I'm amazed that God counted me worthy. I'm amazed that God would give me an open door. I'm amazed that God would give me a realm of influence. Neighbor, it's a privilege to get to serve God. There's lots of people. Listen to me. There's people that are having to break the law to do what we're doing here tonight in other places in the world. There's people in other places of the world that have policemen storming down their doors and putting a gun barrel on their heads for doing what me and you are doing tonight. There's people, listen to me, there's people that they give to the Lord, but they literally can't buy a crust, a piece of crust to keep themselves from being hungry. And we hoard our money. There's people that would do anything in the world to be able to meet in God's house in a public way. And we find excuses to get out of it. There's people, listen, there's people that lay in a sick bed that give anything in the world to be able to serve God. And we turn down opportunities because it's not convenient. We turn down opportunities because it gets in the way of what we want to do. It's a privilege to serve God, church. We ought to get to the point where when we see an opportunity, we jump up and we run towards it. He got up, he ran towards them. And when he got there, it says, And said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree. I will fetch a morsel of bread, and comfort ye your hearts. After that, ye shall pass on. I want you to notice not only in this passage we see the passion of his service, but we see the pleading of Abraham's service. Abraham jumped up and he ran to him and he just begged him to give him an opportunity to wait on them. Boy, what a different attitude from the casual Christianity that we have today. In a day that we live in, in which people will do everything they can to avoid trying to serve God, Abraham's begging for an opportunity to do something for the Lord. Let me tell you something. If you're out here tonight and you feel like, well, I just don't have anything I can do for God, you submit yourself to Him. Wave the white flag on your life. And you ask God to give you something to do, and I promise you He'll do it. 
If you'll get yourself submitted to the Lord in such a way... You say, my life is messed up. Maybe it is. Read the Bible. Most of the men in there, their lives were messed up. You say, I've failed. Well, yeah, get used to it. You're going to fail more in your life. That's part of it. Aren't you thankful for grace? When we fail, the Lord forgives us. You say, I don't have any, any means to serve God. Do what Abraham did. Get in His presence and plead with Him to give you an opportunity to serve Him. And when that happens, take that opportunity. Don't shuffle it aside because it's not what you wanted. Take the opportunity. He notices a third thing, and I'm going to try to hurry. I can hear some of your stomachs growling. Don't try to play it off like amens. Oh, we see the passion of His service. We see the pleading of His service. But I want you to notice the purpose of His service or the purpose in His service. He says something very interesting. This caught my attention as I read this passage. In verse number 5, it says, After that ye shall pass on. Notice this. For therefore are ye come to your servant. I, I want to tell you, I, I was talking to my wife today, and we, were, we, were, we, we talk. Uh, we're not to that point yet where we don't talk. Amen. Maybe one day. But we talk. And uh, I was talking to my wife, and I said, You know, it amazes me the way God has met with us in the services lately. I don't know if you felt that way, friend, but it's just seemed to me like God has been in our services in a mighty way. You know, it's not just Sunday morning either. It's Sunday night. It's Wednesday night. And God has just seemed to move in and do a work in hearts. I thought about what Abraham said here. And it's interesting to me. Abraham did not say, Lord, I've come to you to wait on you. Abraham says, Lord, you've come to me so that I can wait on you. Let me drop some truth on you, some deep knowledge. Do you know that God doesn't need us to accomplish His will? I'm not saying God doesn't use us. God uses human instrumentality. I understand that. God chose men and God looketh for a man to stand in the gap. I understand that. But what I'm saying is this. If you're not willing to serve God... God can find somebody that is. And the reason that God moves in and does something in our life is not because He needs us. It's because we need Him. Abraham says, Lord, I know the reason that You've come by today is so that I can wait on You. Let me tell you something. When we have services like God's blessed us with, sometimes we feel like, oh, I needed that. Oh, the Lord just really came and fed me. And that's true. But let me tell you why the Lord came by and visited His friend in the tent door. He came by and visited His friend to give Him an opportunity to serve and to be a blessing to Him. Let me tell you why God meets with His people. It's not to make you feel good. It's to equip you in His service. A lot of churches have fallen prey to an unbalanced atmosphere of worship. All shout, no service. All excitement. No expression. And let me tell you something. The reason God meets with His people is to equip them to do a work for Him. The purpose for which God had met with Abraham was so that Abraham would have an opportunity to serve Him. What did the psalmist say? The psalmist said, Bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is within me, bless His holy name. The psalmist did not say, Bless me, O Lord and all that is within me. Bless me by your holy name. 
What was the psalmist's view of worship? I didn't come to church to get a blessing. I came to church to give a blessing. I didn't come to church to get something for me. I came to church to give something to God. I'm not here so He'll bless me. I'm here so I'll bless Him. Let me tell you why the Lord comes by and meets with His people. He does it so that they have an opportunity to praise and to serve Him. That's why they do it. You see, in his service, Abraham understood a truth that service was a vital element of his walk with God. Stagnant Christians are miserable Christians. Do you hear me? Stagnant. You know what stagnant is? Stagnant is when that old muddy pond sits there and there's no current and there's no moving of the waters. Stagnant is when the waters don't get interrupted. Stagnant is when the waters, they're not functioning, they're not pushing anything, they're not doing anything. They just sit. That's all they do. And you know what happens? They grow foul and they grow putrid. Let me tell you what happens to Christians that just sit. They grow foul. They grow putrid. (laughs) A Christian is meant to serve God. Let me tell you something. You were saved to be in His service. You were saved not to sit, but to serve. God didn't save you just so you could run about and get excited. Now, that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. But God saved you that you might be able to serve Him and do something for Him. That's why He saved you. You have a responsibility. If you're not serving God, you're defeating the purpose for which God created you. You have a responsibility to serve Him. And so we find the purpose for His service or in His service But I want to say we not only see faith serving, but we see faith sacrificing. And I'm going to try to hurry. And I just want to give you these things very quickly. I want you to look in verse number 6. And I want you to notice, And Abraham hastened into the tent unto Sarah and said, Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal and knead it and make cakes upon the hearth. I want to say first off that we see Abraham involving his family in the sacrifice that he was giving to the Lord. He turned and he looked at Sarah And he said, Sarah, you need to help me in our sacrifice to the Lord. Let me tell you what families need. Families as a unit need to serve the Lord. That's what they need. Now, I know we live in a day where one spouse serves the Lord, the other doesn't. I know we live in a day where mom and daddy serve the Lord, but the kids don't. I know we live in a day sometimes, God help us, when the little kids serve the Lord, but mom and daddy won't. But the only way for a family to really function properly is for all of them to be involved in the service of the Lord. That's what the family needs doesn't need to just be one of them. It needs to be all of them. Abraham did not ask Sarah's opinion. Abraham, did you hear me? I did not say... I said Abraham did not ask Sarah if she wanted to do that. Do you know why? Abraham knew that's what was best for Sarah. We live in a day... Help us now. We live in a day where the children run the home. We live in a day where it's about what the children want. I don't know when that happened. Growing up, my parents loved me. They loved me enough to whip me when I did wrong. They loved me enough to give me what I needed, not what I wanted. They loved me enough to make me work. They loved me enough to make me do. They loved me enough to make me obey. That's how much my parents loved me. And most of you, that was probably the case in your life. And I don't know when we came to a period of time in which the children had to be consulted for the family plans, but that's the day we're in now. Abraham did not ask Sarah's opinion. He didn't say, Sarah, what do you want to do? He didn't say, Sarah, are you okay with this? He didn't say, now help me now. He didn't say, Sarah, is it all right if we had company? He turned around and he said, Sarah, go get some measures of meal. Make some cakes. The Lord's here. 
what your family needs is to serve God. That may not be what your family wants, but that's what your fam- what your children need is to serve God. That may not be what they want. In fact, I've met very, very few children that that's really what they wanted. They don't want that cough medicine either, but you give them that because they need it. They don't need, listen to me, they don't, they don't need those shots when they go to the doctor, or they don't want those shots when they go to the doctor, but they need those. And we live in a day where we're doing everything to keep our kids healthy, wealthy, and wise, but we're not doing anything to make them spiritual. The family needs to be involved in the service of God. But I want you to notice that not only was his family involved in his sacrifice, but his finances were involved in his sacrifice. Ooh, it got quiet. He ran out to the herd and he fetched a young calf. And he brought it in. He told a young man, he said, I want you to dress this calf. That came out of Abraham's pocket. Can I tell you? Oh, no. Abraham had probably already given of tithes to the Lord. That was over and above. Let me tell you something. The Bible talks in the Old Testament about tithes and offerings. We live in a world where people think, oh, well, I've given my 10%, and that's all that belongs to God. Every single thing you've got in your wallet, everything you've got in your bank account, everything that you've got in your home, your home itself, every single thing that you've got to your name belongs to God. Every bit of it. And this notion of 10%, I'm not saying that people ought not give 10% to the Lord. I'm saying that you ought to pray, and I believe you'll find most of the time it'll be over and above. You say, preacher, I can't afford to give that much. Do you believe God meets the needs of His people? We're getting real now. Come on. Do you believe God meets the needs of His people? Do you believe that God provides for His people? I believe that tonight. Do you? And so, whatever you give to God, you're never going to outgive Him. He always meets your needs. He always makes a way. What's the New Testament pattern? We look in the New Testament. I'm not advocating communal living in one way or another. I'm not advocating that in any way, shape, fashion, or form. But we find that for a short period of time, the church moved towards communal living. The Bible says in the book of Acts, I believe it's chapter number 4, that they had all things common. And I believe the reason they did that was not because there was direct mandate, scriptural command to do so, because there was no command to do that. I believe the reason they went to communal living is because they were giving so much of what they had that they might as well lump it all together and all share out of a common pot anyway. Now, I'm not saying that to say we should have communal living. I'm not saying that to say we should spread the wealth. I'm saying that to say when you look at the New Testament church, they gave first of themselves, but they gave in grace. None of this 10% mess. None of this I've given God what He's entitled to. Now God, leave me alone. Let me spend how I want to. But they sought God's face and they gave and they gave and they gave unto the Lord. You say, preacher, that's hard on us. You're driving us too hard. We're going to go broke. Do you believe God? Do you believe He meets the needs of His people? I believe He does. You see, it's not faith. It's not faith when we budget it for it. I know that's hard. But it's not faith when we've got all the numbers crunched out and you know you're going to make your bills anyway and so you give God your table scraps. That's not faith. Faith is saying, God, you just lay on this old wicked heart of mine what you want me to give. Whatever it is, Lord, it all belongs to you. I'll give it to you. Are you scared to give God control of the purse strings? Are you scared to give God control of your wallet? Come on now, help me. Are you scared that God's going to do you wrong? When has He ever done you wrong? You just leave that in the hands of Almighty God. You'd be amazed what He'll do in your life. 
you'd be amazed. Listen to me, after about a year and a half, after about two years of really giving in faith and giving it all over to God, you'll get to the point where you'll say, the way I've grown in the Lord is worth whatever I've given to Him anyway. You'll find you'll grow in the Lord. We see that He got His finances involved. Everybody can breathe now. I'm off that point, okay? We see He got His faithfulness involved. He set the table for them and placed it all before them. And then he did something interesting. How many of y'all have ever been to a really, really, really nice restaurant? Raise your hand. I'm talking about, I'm talking about bow ties. Uh, I'm talking about them big old wide cloth belts they wear. Amen. I'm talking about, you know, with the napkin. You know, they, they take that napkin and they just lay it over the arm like that. And how many of you have ever, ever been to a restaurant where the waiter, after he served you, he stepped back and he stood there? You ever been to a restaurant like that? <laughs> a bunch of poor people. <laughs> Me neither. Don't feel bad. But he stepped back, and that waiter will wait. And now, he's not there to enjoy the meal. He's not there to get him a bite of something off the plate. He's there to wait and to see what those people eating might need. The Bible says that when Abraham had set everything before him, that he stood by them. We see Abraham's faithfulness was involved in his sacrifice. He stepped aside and he stood and he waited for orders from the Lord. Let me tell you what we need today. And if you really believe God's word, you're going to be, the Bible says, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. I believe that this wishy-washy, up and down, roller coaster Christianity, I don't believe that honors God. I believe if you really get to the point where you believe God's Word, you're going to believe it enough to believe it from Sunday to Sunday to Sunday to Sunday to Sunday. I believe if you really get to the place where you have faith in God's Word, you're going to believe it enough uh, that you're going to believe that the Bible says to forsake not the assembling yourselves together as a manner of some is. I believe you're going to believe uh, that the Bible where it says we're to be faithful and to be steadfast. I believe if you really begin to have faith in the Word of God, you're going to believe those passages. You say, preacher, you expect perfection. No, I don't expect perfection. I expect progress. I expect us to grow in the Lord. I'm not mad tonight. I don't want you to think I am. We've got a wonderful church, wonderful people. But I read in this passage, and I read that Abraham was steadfast. He stood by the Lord and just waited for commands. I believe we need Christians today that are willing to stand by God and just wait for Him to give them what they need to do in their life. We get so busy and we get so worked up. If we don't get an answer from God within uh, 20 minutes, oh, we just walk away and get frustrated. Abraham stood and waited for the Lord to speak to him. I believe we see faith sacrificing. Faith will sacrifice. Faith without works is dead. Faith will, sa- faith will serve. Yeah, you may be a Christian and not serve God, but if, if that's the case, it's because you don't really believe God's Word like you say that you do. If you really believe God's Word like you say that you do, you will serve God. There's no, But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. If you're pleasing God, it's because you believe that God is going to honor you in doing so. I want us to notice a final thing. We see faith seeing we find that there was a change that took place in the status. Abraham was standing there waiting. And the Lord got finished eating, and the angels, if we suppose they are angels, got finished eating. 
And the Bible tells us, I believe it's verse number 17, 16 or 17, that, uh, that the Lord got up and they began to walk away. And the Bible says Abraham went with them. And as Abraham's walking with them, the Lord uh, looks to those that are around him and says, Shall I hide from Abraham this thing which I do? Now, whenever that waiter is standing there, ready to serve, ready to wait on them, you don't talk to the waiter. You might turn and say, I need more water. You might turn and say, I need another napkin. But you're not including them in the conversation. But a status changes here. Abraham has been waiting. But now the Lord looks to those beside him and says, How can I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Let me give you a New Testament verse in principle. Christ said, Henceforth, I call you not servants. For the servant knoweth not what his master doeth. But I have called you friends. For all things that the Father hath made known unto me, have I made known unto you. You want to have a closer relationship with God, it begins by service. It begins by serving God. And you say, well, I don't have the relationship with God that I need. Are you serving Him? Well, no. Well, don't get the, the cart before the ox. You see, we always want to do things the manward way instead of the Godward way. We always want to do things how we... And we look at it and we say, God, you need to prove yourself to me and then I'll serve you. God says, you serve me and I'll prove myself to you. You by faith trust me and obey me and I'll do something mighty in your life. So we see that Abraham begins to see the plan of God as it's going to unfold. I want us to notice three things about it that Abraham, and I believe that Abraham would not have known these things if it hadn't been for these three things. I want you to notice, first off, that Abraham was present whenever they got up and went to leave. Let me tell you something. You wouldn't believe how many things you miss when you're not present where the Lord is working. You wouldn't believe it. You wouldn't believe how many things that you miss when you're not in the Lord's house. You wouldn't believe how many things you'll miss if you're not in your prayer closet. You wouldn't wouldn't imagine how many blessings you'll miss if you're not in the Word of God. It may not be important to you. You may not think that it matters. You may not think that you need it. But I promise you, if Abraham hadn't got up and began to walk with him, he would have never heard what he heard. The reason Abraham got the blessing he got is he was walking with God. He was present with Him. And you get consistent in your walk with the Lord and begin to walk with Him uh, on a steady day-by-day basis. You're present with Him. You'll find that you'll learn some things you wouldn't have known. But I want you to notice not only was He present, but He was proven. God says, I know Abraham. I know Abraham loves me and I know he serves me. And I know that he's going to teach his children and teach his household after him to observe my commandments, to be obedient to me. I know Abraham. God's looking for men that are proven. God's looking for women that are proven. Uh, We live in a day, you know, God looketh on the heart. You know that? We live in a day where a name doesn't mean anything. It does to God. He said, I know Abraham. God knows you too. And He knows if you're not serious about serving Him. He knows if you don't mean business about walking with Him. I mean, you may have everybody fooled. You may have your church fooled, your pastor fooled, your family fooled, your spouse fooled. You may have your kids fooled. You may have your parents fooled. You may have everybody fooled thinking that you love God and want to serve Him. But God looks on the heart. He knows how you really feel about it. God said, I know Abraham. I know I can trust him. I know Abraham. I know he's going to obey me. I know Abraham. I know he loves me. I know Abraham. I know he's going to serve me. God knows your heart. You better get it right with Him because you're not fooling Him. And we see finally that Abraham was privy. I told you in verse number 20, we were just going to use that first snippet, although we read the entire thing for context. The Bible says, And the Lord said, Abraham knew some things Sarah didn't know. 
Abraham knew some things nobody else knew. Abraham understood some things about God that no one else understood. Why? Because he was present. He was passionate in his service. Because he was a proven man. Because he served God, he walked closer with God. Listen to me. Don't get it backwards. Abraham did not serve God because he walked closer with God. Abraham walked closer with God because he served Him. You may have all the excuses in the world why it's not your responsibility to serve the Lord tonight. You're welcome to have those excuses if you want. Excuses one of these days, neighbor, when God strikes the match of judgment, He's going to just burn it up. An excuse may be good enough for you, but God knows your heart. You may have all the excuses to why you don't serve the Lord, why you don't do what you know that you ought to do. You may have all the excuses that you need. You may have all the excuses the devil needs. You may have all the excuses that your family needs, but you don't have enough excuses to satisfy God. One of these days you're going to answer for it. You may have all the excuses in the world, but until you get down to being obedient to the Lord and serving Him, you're never going to grow in Him. You're never going to understand His Word. It's a matter of faith, neighbor. It's a matter of trusting God and following Him, even when you don't understand.